Today we're going back into our new series, DTR, Defining the Relationships. And um, this whole year we're focusing on how to seek Christ first. And uh, in this series we're looking at how do we seek Christ first uh, in relationships, in all different types of relationships. Um, This is kind of outside the norm for us. If you're new to Harvest, we're normally walking through a book verse by verse. Um, But we're taking a little time this fall to really drill down on relationships and what that looks like um, for our lives and how we do that when we follow Jesus as disciples of Christ. And so today, we're going to look at dating, seeking him in dating. And some of you are like, yeah, that's not me anymore. I'm out. And some of you are like, that's exactly what I need today. And that's okay, because you know what? We're a church family, uh, and we all have different things that speak to us at different times. And so we're all going to lean in today, right, and learn from the Lord in whatever stage we're in, and we can encourage one another in this, right? Come on, I feel like y'all aren't with me yet this morning, all right? Come on now. Okay. So when I was thinking about dating, I was just like, I need to do a little research here because I've been out of that game for a while. And so um, when I was thinking about dating, you know, dating is something that evolves with culture over time, right? It's not something that's just always been the same. And I think the biggest shift in the dating world in recent years has been online dating, Right, like that's a whole new thing now in the last maybe 10 years or so has come up. And it doesn't just apply to the wider culture in general. Um, it applies to Christians as well. They're in on this thing. And so just a little uh, quick research dive on the Google machine this week. And I found that there are 15 different Christian dating sites or apps. All right. Just for Christians. 15 different ones that are being in use right now. Um, one of them promised to help you find the one that your soul loves for that scripture reference, if you missed that one, or to uh, find a match made in heaven. Yeah. Um, some were even more specific. They were, there was one that was just for conservative Christians, if you consider yourself one of those. Um, there was some that were specific to de- certain denominations that people were dating, but my favorite one that I found um, that was very specific was called Reformed Mingle. Find love predestined. And I brought... I brought proof just because I knew you wouldn't believe me, right? Like, so, so it's out there. Like, like they, they, this is a thing that's happening, right? And so, listen, I'm not, I'm not trying to dog on online dating at all, all right? Rather, I'm just pointing out how far we've come from the days of the Bible, right? Moses, Jesus, like, there was no dating back then, right? It was arranged marriages and dowries and all kinds of other customs, Dating wasn't a thing, and so if that's true, what can we possibly learn from the Bible about dating in 2023, right? If this wasn't even a thing at that time. Well, believe it or not, the rise of dating um, did not catch God by surprise. Like, he wasn't like, oh man, I didn't see that one coming. Um, He knew that, and he actually has some very specific ideas and thoughts on it, and he has some principles in his word, both spiritual principles and relationship principles that apply to lots of relationships, but especially to dating relationships. And that's what we're going to look at this morning. And I think it all leads us to one major idea that I'm going to put a heading over this today, and that's this. Don't disconnect dating from discipleship. Don't disconnect dating from discipleship. I'll show you what I mean by that as we start to walk through these different texts, okay? Now, we're going to be all over the Bible this morning. Again, normally we're like in one passage, but we just got a lot of scriptures to cover, right? So they're going to be on the screen for you. Feel free to follow along in your Bibles as well if you like. Um, Three categories we're going to look at today. The first one is preparing to date. 
preparing today, getting ready for the dating relationship. So three questions that I want you, I'm going to give you that you can ask yourself in this stage of preparing to date. The first one is this, am I seeking him first? And that's not just a question for the ladies, okay? Um, Seeking him first, meaning am I seeking Christ first? Um, Our verse for this year is Matthew 6.33, right? But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. In that passage we talked about a couple weeks ago, Jesus is teaching us that in order to receive the best of what God has for us in this life and in this world, you have to seek him first. Not it, not whatever the thing is that you want, but seeking him first and he will give it. And that includes relationships, that includes finding a mate, right? The right ones are going to come into our lives when we are seeking Christ and our lives are centered around Jesus first, that's going to put us in the relationships that we need to find the right dating partner. So how do we do that while dating? Well, again, if you were to do a a Google search, no doubt you would find lists and lists and lists of Christian dating advice out there, right? There is no shortage of this. Uh, The thing is, it can be a little confusing. You might find things like, hey, don't date or date for at least a year before you would marry someone. Others would say, don't date for more than a year, because then you're going too long and it gets too deep. And uh, some would say, don't kiss before you're married. Like, save that for, you know, the, the wedding. Others would say, if you don't kiss, how are you going to know if you have any connectivity? And like, like there's got to be a relationship there of some kind, right? Um, some would say, spend lots of time together. Get to know one another. Have conversations and go on walks. And others would say, don't spend too much time together because that can lead places, Right? Um, and so, some would say, date a bunch of people before getting serious. Know your options. Others would say, wait until you find the one that you're going to marry to date. All kinds of conflicting advice. Like, how do we sort that out? How do we know? Well, here's the thing. No doubt, on those lists, some of those things could be wise counsel. But very few, if any of them, have a direct anchor in God's word. There's someone's opinion based on experience, which is fine, But what does God's word say? That's the primary thing. And and I think the first rule of dating, according to God's word, is Mark 12, 30. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. Now, I'm sure that's familiar to some of you, because it's not just the first rule of dating. It's actually the first rule of Christian life, right? Like, he says this is the greatest commandment, is that you love God first. And that definitely applies to our dating relationships. Because you you cannot truly and fully love someone else until you love God first and you love him most. And they can't love you back until they love him first and love him more than they love you. And so it all starts here only in experiencing the perfect love of God both received and reciprocated to him can I learn how to love someone else the way that he does? And that is really the purpose, that's the goal of dating for the Christian, is to find someone that I can sacrificially love like Jesus for the rest of my life. Our culture tells us that dating and relationships and marriage even are just another path, another tool to please ourselves. Right? Like, am I happy in this relationship? The goal is to find my soulmate and the one who 
makes me happy and the one who completes me and all these ideas that we get fed. And friends, I'm just telling you, like, that's a lie. Because only Jesus Christ can complete you. Only he can fill that cup. No one else can do that, and putting that expectation on them will crush them and will torch the relationship. So part of preparing to date is growing to find my own contentment and my own fulfillment in Christ first. And until you're on that, you're probably not ready. It's got to start there. So the first question is, am I seeking him first? Second question for preparing to date is, am I bearing his fruit? Am I bearing his fruit? Now, again, maybe you've heard this before in dating culture is to have your list, right? Have your list of like non-negotiables, the things that you're looking for in a mate because you don't want to just settle for anybody, right? So you got to have your, your list like, like, a, like a ransom demand, all right, that you're having for like the free prisoners or something or the, the new features you want on your car or whatever the thing is, right? Like you got to have your list of stuff and, you know, she needs to, uh, or he needs to be funny and he needs to be social and, and go out with me, but he also needs to give, you know, his attention to me, not just other people. And, um, and she needs to enjoy being active with me and going out and doing stuff, but also, like, give me time to play ball with the boys, right? It's got to be a both end. Or um, they, wanted, they, need to, they need to be ambitious and goal-oriented, but also spend more time at home than at work, right? Like, we want that as well. Or he needs to be strong and tough, but also sensitive and emotionally available. Um, she needs to manage a career and manage a home. All these things. We have these lists, right? And here's the thing. I'm not saying that that's necessarily bad, but I mean, like, some of y'all have these lists, and it's the perfect, it's like you're looking for Jesus himself, right? And I'm telling you, like, like he is coming back, but it's not to date you. I hate to break it to you. Like, that's not, that's not what it's going to be. Okay, so, like, how about, I'm not saying there's no non-negotiables. There are some. We're going to get to those in a little bit later, okay? But how about this? Instead of focusing on what you want your mate to be, how about focusing on what you need to be? as a mate in that dating relationship? Where's that list at, right? The first question is, should they want to date me? <laughs> if they're a Christian, should they want to date me? What, what am I looking like on the dating scale? And for a Christian, that hinges way more on than just personality traits or likes and dislikes. It goes back to John 15, 5, where Jesus says, I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. That is how you prepare yourself to be ready to date, right? Is to bear the fruit of God in your own life. And that only happens, he says here, as you abide in Christ, as you seek him first. And you let the Holy Spirit work in you to manifest that fruit in your life. Friends, this is the litmus test for how well you are seeking Jesus. Dating or not, this is the litmus test. Are you bearing his fruit? Are you 
bearing Galatians 5, 22 and 23. Listen to that list. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those are the traits that make a really good mate, by the way. Okay, like, that, maybe that should be your list, right? Like, this is what I'm looking for. Because this is a person who's reflecting the person of Christ in them. The fruit of the Spirit is shining. This is how you know that they're truly a follower of Jesus. They're abiding in him, and they're producing this fruit. And same thing for you. Now, not that any of us are nailing all of these perfectly, right? None of us are doing that. But are you progressing in them? Are you growing in them day after day? That's a sign that you're walking with Christ. It's not your age or your education status or your financial position or your relationship experience that prepares you to date. It's your maturity in Christ. For the Christian, it starts there. Growing in his fruit as you seek him first. So am I seeking him first? Am I bearing his fruit? Third question in preparing to date Am I trusting his timing? Am I trusting his timing? Have you noticed so far that the, all these questions are about preparing you and your heart? <laughs> Not about preparing them or preparing the circumstances or prepare, like, it's about you. It's about getting your heart right with the Lord. Because Proverbs 16, 9 says, The heart of man plans his way, but the Lord establishes his steps. Some of you all have a master plan for your life, right? Like, I'm, I'm going to graduate with this GPA, and I'm going to go to this college, and I'm going to get this degree, and I'm going to get this job, and I'm going to meet this person, and we're going to get married in six months at this location with the flowers and the dress and the whole thing. Like, you've got it all mapped out. And I'm not saying plans are bad. <clears throat> plans are good. Planning, like, is all over Proverbs, but here's the deal. You need to remember, you are not sovereign over your own life. God is. It's not bad to have a plan. It's not bad to have a vision. But it's all submitted to him. He will be the one who provides the right relationship at the right time. So you have to wait on him and you have to trust in him to do so. And trusting in God's timing can be tricky because we're trying to figure this whole thing out. And so you kind of have to play both ends of the spectrum to the middle, right? So one end is, is don't rush in. Don't rush into a relationship out of desire or out of desperation or whatever else might be playing inside your head. Take time to see who they really are, right? We can all hide our faults for a little while, right? Like for a couple dates, for a couple weeks, maybe even for a couple months. But eventually they're going to shine through. And I'm not saying that you need to see their faults so you can kick them to the curb once they come out. But you just need to go in with eyes wide open, right? Like what am I getting myself into? What are they bringing to the table here? We need to know each other's stuff before we step into a real committed relationship. So don't rush in, all right? And to, a principle to help you with that would be this. Seek clarity before intimacy. Seek clarity before intimacy. And here's what I mean by that. Rushing in to physical intimacy in a relationship stunts clarity and communication. Because the sooner you get to the physical, the less you start talking. Let's just be on honest. It's a lot easier to Netflix and chill than it is to actually have a deep conversation about something going on in your life. 
right? So, like, let's pause on that until we can get some clarity going in the relationship. You need to practice clarity and communication more than you need to practice intimacy in your interaction. I'm just telling you, there's no married couple I know who's ever been like, I'm so glad you had all those intimate experiences in those past relationships. That helps our marriage so much. No one says that. But they're like, hey, maybe you learned some communication skills along the way. That would be great. That could be helpful, right? The reverse can lead to catastrophe in a marriage because when the only foundation that's been laid during the dating stage is physical, the marriage is on very shaky ground. So don't rush in. And then secondly, on the other end of the spectrum, though, don't hold out. Don't hold out too long, right? Like, if you've got that plan, you've got that vision for what you want and the person you're looking for and your expectations of what that's going to look like, don't get so caught up in your first-person story that you miss what God is trying to do in the midst of it. Have a vision, but be open-handed to what the Lord wants to do in your life and in your relationships. So preparing to date is really about preparing your own heart, your own expectations before the Lord. It's about coming to a place where you are prepared to date in a way that honors him first. Would another disciple, ask yourself this question, would another disciple of Jesus want to date me? Would someone who's really serious about their faith, who really loves the Lord, who's really going after it, would they look at me and be like, yeah, that's, that's somebody that I would want to date? If not, I got some hard work to do before I'm ready to step into that. So first, preparing yourself to date. That's the first thing. Second category is picking who to date. Picking who to date. Also, I'm give you three questions for this one to kind of just help you process this, hopefully through the word of the Lord, all right? Number one question, could I marry this person? Not tomorrow, okay, like it's okay, take a breath, but like eventually, could I marry them? Right? Are there any deal breakers up front that I already know? Are there any red flags? I'm like, yeah, that's not an option. If so, then that helps me. So here's a couple additional questions underneath that one to help you kind of think through, could I marry this person? Number one, am I ready to marry? On my side, am I even to that point in my life? For a Christian, that is really the purpose of dating, is to seek someone to marry. We don't date just to go out and have social fun. We don't date to play a game with other people's lives and emotions. We don't date to get some experience. Like, none of that is in Scripture. In fact, the opposite is in Scripture. If you go to Song of Solomon, which is a very short book, by the way, three times in one book, 2, 7, 3, 5, 8, 4, he says the same thing. I adjure you, O daughters of Jerusalem, by the gazelles or the does of the field, that you not stir up or awaken love until it pleases. In other words, he's saying, hey, don't go in too fast. Don't date before you're ready to close the deal. Because you start things, you get a ball rolling, and sometimes it's hard to stop if you get into it too quickly. So am I even to a point where I'm even ready to think about marriage? That's the first part. And then the second part is, are they an option for marriage? And the scripture that helps us most with that is 2 Corinthians 6.14. For the Christian, this is so key. 
Paul says, do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. For what partnership has righteousness with lawlessness, or what fellowship has light with darkness? If you're a Christian, the number one question you have to ask of someone else that you're looking to date is, are they a Christian? Are they a believer of Jesus Christ? Do they have the same gospel faith that you have? If not, that's a non-starter. Period. Day one. If the purpose of dating is marriage, and Paul says, I'm a Christian, I can only marry another Christian, that's it. Now, let me kind of caveat this for just for a second, because I've seen a lot of good-intentioned Christians go sideways at this point right here. Going into dating with a marriage mentality is important, but it can also put a lot of pressure on dating. She's like, oh my gosh, i got to find the one, right? And, and so let me say it like this. Date for more than marriage, but not less than marriage. Okay? Here's what I mean by that. Like, you don't have to get married tomorrow, right? Like, it, it, they just have to be a possibility for marriage, and then go and have fun. Build the relationship. Like, go out for dinner and have the conversations and do the thing. Like, you've got to build a relationship. It doesn't just happen overnight. So have fun. Go out. Enjoy the ride of dating. Just don't do it on a dead-end road. Does that make sense? Right? Like, if you know it's not going anywhere, then that's the wrong one. Pick a different road and then go and try that one. So, are they an option for marriage? That's the first question. Second question, would godly counsel support me marrying this person? Would other godly counsel in my life support me in potentially marrying this person? Which immediately begs the second question of, do I have godly counsel in my life? Do I even have people who have the ability to speak that into me? Hebrews 10, 24, 25 says, let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Now, you've probably heard a pastor before use that verse to really, like, harp on regular church attendance and the importance of corporate worship, and, and that's definitely in there. But it's more than that, right? Look what he says. He says, not, he doesn't just say, go to church. He says, go and be in relationship with other Christians at church who can encourage you and speak into your life and build you up. It's about the relationships. It's about the, commu- the Christian community that we have in the church family. So this includes Sunday mornings, but it also includes small groups throughout the week where you can really get into life together. It includes our student ministry for students. You guys can go and be with other kids your age, but also hear from leaders who have been there and done that and can help you, guide you through some of these decisions that you're making. It includes our YAM group. Some of y'all don't know about that one. That's the young adult ministry group, right? Again, where you can be with people your age and you have people speaking into your life. Like you need groups of other Christians around you who can give you godly counsel, not just their opinions, but counsel from God's word to help you through these type of decisions and issues. Proverbs 15, 22 says, what counsel, um, Without counsel, plans fail but with many advisors, they succeed. With many advisors, with many counselors, comes success in our lives. We need many Christian voices speaking into our lives, into our decisions. The other side of that is Proverbs 
Whoever isolates himself seeks his own desire, and he breaks out against all sound judgment. When we don't want to hear what anyone else has to say about it, that's probably a good sign that we're only seeking our own personal selfish desires and not the desires of the Lord. Counselors would include Christian friends that you know are going to speak truth to you and not just tell you what you want to hear. It's going to include your small group and other people that you're accountable to. It's going to include church leaders that you trust that can speak into your life and give you wisdom in those areas. It's going to include other mature believers in your life that are older than you probably, right? Could be in the church, could be in other areas. And it might even include your parents. I know that's weird, but like, the only reason you're here is because they did this at some point. Like they had to get to that stage where you could become a, a possibility in the world. So they might have some advice on this topic for you as well. Godly counselors. And this is why it's such a great idea to introduce potential dating partners into your community as early as possible. Get them around your friends. Get them in your church family. Get them around your family, your parents, so that they can look and see you. And they'll probably see some things that you don't see because you're blinded by love or other things. And then they can speak into some things that maybe you're not hearing or seeing on your own. But they have to be in that community first. Would godly counsel support me marrying this person? Third question for picking who to date is, do they have a growing love for Jesus? Do they have a growing love for Jesus? Notice I did not say, do they believe in God? Most of the time when I'm talking to another Christian and I find out they're dating, they're dating somebody, I'm like, okay, great. Are they a Christian? They're like, oh, yeah, they believe in God. Not what I said. <laughs> oh, yeah, they go to church. Not what I said. They have some faith. Nope. Do they have a growing love for Jesus? That's the relationship that we're looking for, right? Not some vague notion of faith. Do they show evidence that the Holy Spirit is moving and working in their heart and growing them in Christ? Are they active in worshiping him, in walking with him, in working for Christ? Are they truly a disciple? Think about it like this. On their current trajectory, where are they going to be in five years with Jesus? Are they going to be further down the road in their faith and growing in Christ five years from now or not? That'll tell you a lot about where they're at in their faith. Listen to how Paul describes the life of a true disciple in Colossians 1.9. It says, And so from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, and bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. That's what you're looking for. Are they being filled with the knowledge of God and spiritual wisdom and understanding? Are they coming and they're sitting underneath the preaching and the teaching of God's word and growing their faith through understanding? Are they growing in their walk, in a walk that is worthy of Jesus Christ and is living out the gospel on a daily basis? Are they bearing fruit by their submission to the Holy Spirit. 
can you see evidence that they have a growing love for Jesus? If not, abort. Abort, abort, abort. Now, again, as you look over these questions of who to date, notice they all pretty much revolve around one central issue. Do they love Jesus? Because that, when I look at Scripture, that's pretty much the beginning and the end of the non-negotiable list. Right? Are they single? Do they love Jesus? Great. Godspeed. Right? Like that's, that's it. Right? Now, there might be some other things you want to put on there that are like, you know, good, just wise counsel. Like, do they have a job? Um, am I physically attracted to them? Um, can we have a healthy conversation for more than five minutes? Like, those are all, like, good things that, like, might be helpful in a relationship. But in the end, they're all secondary. Lots of other things can be worked out. But faith in Jesus, that is primary. That's foundational. If you don't have that, it's hard to build anything else. What you believe about God is the most important thing about you. And what your mate believes about God will be the most important thing about your relationship. Because it will tell you if the two of you can do life together, walking hand in hand with Jesus. So choose wisely who you date. Ask yourself this question, will this person help or hinder my growth as a disciple of Jesus? Will walking with them, doing life with them, having my time with them, will it help me grow? Will it help me be more, be a better disciple of Jesus? Or is it going to pull me back? So preparing to date, picking who to date, and then the last one, last category, number three, is pitfalls to avoid in dating. Pitfalls to avoid in dating for the Christian. Number one, is swiping right. And if you don't know what that is, you guys can go look that up or Google it later, ask a friend, okay? But this whole online dating culture where this, the dating experience starts solely based on physical attraction sets you up for a self-centered, prideful, shallow relationship. When that's primary, it sets you on the wrong foot from the journey. Making physical attraction first or primary is not the path to a healthy Christian relationship. Listen to Proverbs 31.30. Charm is deceitful, beauty is vain, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Physical beauty is not bad, but it will not last. Not for a lifetime. You know what will? Godly character. Godly character Find someone that you can do life with, not just the night with. Like this needs to be a long-term goal. Now, I'm not saying physical attraction is not important, okay? Please, please do not marry someone you're not attracted to. That will not go well, okay? But it's not primary. Again, going back to Song of Solomon, which is like the most relationship-saturated book in the Bible, listen to what... She says here in verse 16, chapter 5, His mouth is most sweet, 
and he is altogether desirable. This is my beloved, and this is my friend, O daughters of Jerusalem. She does desire him, and that's great. But the identifier that she gives him, the identity that she gives, is not that. It's friend. Seek friendship first and attraction second. You want a strong relationship that will last a lifetime? Seek friendship first and attraction second. Spend time together as friends. Get in a group. Go out and do things. Get them into your community. Seek to find a best friend, and then attraction will oftentimes follow. And the relationship will be stronger and last longer because of it. Pastor Matt Chandler says this. I love this quote from him. He says, godliness is sexy to godly people. I thought you'd never hear those two words in the same sentence, right? Godliness is sexy to godly people because that's what we're looking for. If you're a follower of Jesus, man, that's what you want is somebody who you can be best friends with that will love Jesus like you do. and You can walk this life together. Not just physical attraction. Find a godly best friend. And then fall in love with them. So swiping right, that's the first pitfall. Second pitfall is playing house. Acting like you're married before you are. Let me just be blunt this morning. Jesus has no category for this. He has no category for friends with benefits or for hookups or for cohabitators. None of that. He calls us to lifelong committed marriage, period. That is the only intimate arrangement that he is good with. Hebrews 13.4 says, Let marriage be held in honor among all, and let the marriage bed be undefiled, for God will judge the sexually immoral and adulterous. Two things. First, marriage is not held in honor when it is replaced with a cheap imitation. And secondly, sex is for marriage, period. Any sexual intimacy outside of marriage is sexual immorality, and it is sin before the Lord. And we need to treat it as such. So what that means for us as Christians that want to honor the Lord, right? We want that. We want to love and honor the Lord when we date is that we need some boundaries in our relationships. And there are tons of different opinions on what those boundaries should look like and what they should be, and I could give you a big long list. I have some opinions myself. But ultimately, you have to come to that conclusion between you and the Lord. Using the Holy Spirit, like, what are the boundaries that I need to follow in my relationships? You've got to come to that conclusion on your own. But I do want to give you a couple principles that will help you discern what those boundaries should look like. The first one is this, boundaries that are worthy of God's children. Set boundaries that are worthy of God's children. 1 Timothy 5, 1 through 2 says, Do not rebuke an older man, but encourage him as you would a father, Younger men as brothers, older women as mothers, younger women as sisters, in all purity. 
do my boundaries treat others as my brothers and sisters in Christ? If you're a Christian, the person you're dating should also be a Christian, which means that you are both children of God, brothers and sisters in Christ. Am I setting boundaries that are respecting and honoring who they are and honoring the Lord in that relationship? Secondly, set boundaries that are biblically wise. I want you to think about this. Think about why the Bible repeatedly warns us against sexual immorality and defiling the marriage bed. Because God knows. <laughs> he knows us. He knows our temptations. He knows our bents. Like, he knows. This is a struggle for us. And so he's basically saying, hey, like, don't put yourself in situations where your flesh is more apt to lead you into sexual sin. Like, let's just be honest, like, a couple snuggled up under the blanket, in the dark, on the couch, watching a movie from 10 p.m. to 1 a.m. Usually doesn't end well. Like, that, that's ne I've never heard that story being like, yeah, we just had a great conversation about the art of the movie and how the cinematography was, and like, it just never ends that way, right? Don't set yourself up in those situations that are going to lead to failure, Set boundaries based on how close, not how close you can get to the fire without being burned. Set boundaries on how close you can walk to Jesus in your relationship. Again, going back to Song of Solomon, if you read that book, all of their pre-marriage outings, their dates, if you will, are all in public places. They're under the tree, they're walking through the field, they're, like, they're not in secret somewhere. So spend time together, spend lots of time together, but do it in public places as much as possible. Do it around friends and do it around family and at least make the temptation awkward, okay? Like, do what you can to set boundaries that are going to be helpful and wise when it comes to God's word. Thirdly, set boundaries that are personally upheld. What I mean by that is do not depend on the other person to keep you in check. Men, I want to speak specifically to you for a minute. Your girlfriend is not your boundary keeper. That's on you. You need to do the work of talking with the Lord, setting those boundaries ahead of time, because once you're in the moment, it's too late, right? You're, the ball's already rolling at that point, and you're not going to be thinking clearly at all. So set them ahead of time, and then you've got to man up and discipline yourself to keep those boundaries for yourself. Do not make her be the gatekeeper on that. It's not fair. Stop playing house. That's the second pitfall. Third pitfall, last one, looking out for number one. Our world's mentality in general, but specifically in relationships, is look out for number one, right? Is it good for me? Does it benefit me? Is this helping me in my life? But as a Christian, you can't do that. We don't just get to be concerned about ourselves. We have to be concerned about them as well. We have to date not just for our own interests, but date for the interests of the other person as well. Philippians 2, 3 through 4. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit. 
but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interest, but also to the interest of others. Again, God's primary purpose in your relationships, including dating, is not to make you happy. It's to make you holy. It's to make you more like Jesus. By looking out for the interests of others, teaching you how to be humble and sacrificial and put others before yourself. If your mentality and your approach to dating is first and foremost about you, you are headed for a train wreck of a relationship in any realm of life. Because disciples of Jesus date for the good of others, not just themselves. So end with this question, how am I dating differently because I'm a disciple of Jesus? Right? Like, if, we're, if we say we're followers of Christ, we shouldn't be doing this like the world does it. My dating shouldn't look like the rest of the people around me. It should look different because I love and follow Jesus. So how is your dating different because of Jesus? Or better yet, don't disconnect dating from discipleship. Jesus is all over your dating relationship. And for many of us, that's a whole new way of thinking about dating and about relationships. And for some of you today, maybe if you're, especially if you're a new Christian, hope, maybe this brings encouragement and hope. You're like, all right, great, now I have a plan. Now I have a framework for how to do this as a follower of Jesus, right? That's great. For others of you, maybe it brings shame or some guilt over past mistakes, over past relationships. Maybe for others, it brings fear of failure or fear of disappointment. That that's never, I'm never going to find that. That's never going to happen. I, you don't understand. Whatever you're feeling right now, I just want you to know that the Lord loves you. He loves you, and he is for you, and he is with you. And his grace covers all the mistakes and all the problems and all the issues. This is not a place for shame or guilt this morning. This is a place to come and be set free by the gospel of Jesus Christ to do it different, to do it in a way that's going to set you up for a life that glorifies him. He doesn't ask you to do this by yourself. He doesn't expect you to figure it out on your own. He's asking you to come and do it through the power of Jesus Christ in you. If you're a follower of Jesus, you have the Holy Spirit living inside of you. He will direct you. He will help you. You don't have to do this in your own power. It's through Christ that we're able to do it differently. So seek him first, and he will order your steps. Stand with me and let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you, God, for your word this morning. Thank you, Lord, that it brings perfect wisdom to every single area of our lives, to every relationship. God, I pray that you would lead us out in this area of dating in the lives of our church family. God, that you would speak to those that are in this spot right now. Help them to date in a way that honors and worships you first. 
And Lord, give grace. Shower your grace and your forgiveness on those where we have failed, where we've messed up. Lord, help them to feel your presence and help them to turn to you in faith so that you can redeem all of that for your glory. Father, for those who are in the room who are not in the dating stage right now, God, I pray that they would be praying for those who are, that they would be speaking encouragement into their lives and their small groups and in our church family, God. This is a hard world, Lord, to do it differently. And we all need that support and that encouragement. We need you, Lord. Not in our power, but only through Christ. We seek you first. In Christ's name we pray.